Greetings once again, Retreat Church. Thank you for joining us today online. We pray that you have wonderful experiencing experience worshiping the Lord and um, gathering perhaps maybe with some loved ones in your family or watching or listening on your own. But we pray that as we approach Easter, that God is working in, in your life and doing good things and you are relying upon Him. We know the days aren't easy, but they are good. You know, it doesn't have to be um, easy to be good. There are good things going on in the world today. God is doing some great things amongst many things that maybe you and I wouldn't have asked for, wouldn't have expected. And in fact, many times God operates in ways that we don't expect, even when we're in the midst of celebration and praise. Okay, so you may be at a point in your life where you're expecting God to do something. And out of that expectancy, you're worshiping Him and praising Him, and you're excited about the things that you think that God may be soon to do and soon to accomplish and soon to move into your life. And you know what? We have some theology in the church today that's not exactly helpful when it comes to that because there's some things being said in the church today and being written that um, are kind of forming a pretty poor understanding of this idea of expectations. What happens is, is that you and I are told sometimes that we can have an influence on the outcome or move God in such a way if we expect our miracle, if we expect our prayers to be answered, if we expect to get the blessing. And you know, that's just not healthy theology. And one, it kind of puts you in the driver's seat and moves God into the position of, of, a, of a co-pilot kind of person or subservient to your own expectations. And you know, God is not about being subservient to your expectations. In fact, God is called Lord for a reason, right? And we're not. But sometimes we get caught up in what we think God is up to. We misunderstand some things that we read in Scripture. We misunderstand some things that we see happening around us. In fact, we might even totally misunderstand something that Jesus is in fact doing. And that happened back in the first century when Jesus was moving into Jerusalem. And as we celebrate what we call this weekend Palm Sunday, we talk about victory, right? And we talk about Jesus coming and Jesus arriving to fulfill what he was intended to fulfill. And in this passage where we're going to be looking today in the Gospel of Luke, primarily, we'll reference a couple others, but primarily in the Gospel of Luke, we find Jesus doing something. We find him riding on the colt of a donkey, coming into Jerusalem. And then we find people spreading out their garments in front of Jesus, and we find them waving palm branches in celebration of their arriving, conquering, victorious, peace-providing king. And out of this expectation, based upon what they see Jesus doing, they begin to worship him and praise him to the point where the religious leaders of Jesus' day came to Jesus and said to him, Hey, you should tell them to be quiet. They're blaspheming. They're giving you honor and praise that only belongs to God. And then Jesus makes that phrase makes that statement. He says that if they stayed silent, then the very rocks would cry out. And we have this big scene, right? And it wouldn't have been great to be there to watch Jesus come into Jerusalem riding on a donkey on that day. But you know what? Their expectations 
what they thought they were seeing, were very, very soon, just a few short days later, were going to be smashed, going to be destroyed. Everything that they had been worshiping God about, everything that they had been thanking Him for, everything that they had been expecting to happen, just absolutely crushed. Let's look at the past of Scripture today, and let's talk about this idea for just a few moments that hope resurrected can be experienced when our expectations are based upon reality. Did you catch that? A resurrection of hope can be experienced in our lives when our expectations are based on reality. Let's work that out for a few moments, but let's begin by reading our passage of scripture today in Luke chapter 19, starting in verse 29, we read this. When he, this Jesus, drew near to Bethpage and Bethany at the mount that is called Olivet, he sent two of his disciples saying, go into the village in front of you, where on entering you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat, until it untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you why you are untying it, you shall say this, The Lord has need of it. So those who are, were sent away and found it just as he had told them, and as they were untying the colt, its owners said to them, Why are you untying the colt? And they said, The Lord has need of it. And they brought it to Jesus. And throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. And as he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road. And as he was drawing near, as he was drawing near, verse 36, as he rode along, okay, sorry, I skipped the line. Already on their way down to Mount Olivet, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. And so here was this wonderful, amazing time of worship and praise, built around this expectation that what they were seeing actually was what they had longed for. But what had happened is, as so often we do, is that we misunderstand what we see. We misunderstand what we see. Notice what had happened to these people. In the Gospel um, of Matthew, we are told that this is a fulfillment of the prophecies of Zechariah found in the Old Testament prophetic book, Zechariah. And it is in chapter 9, and in verse 9, Matthew actually puts verse 9 in his text. Let's read how Matthew, how Matthew does that. Matthew, as I move my little ribbon over here, in verse 5 of Matthew chapter 21, he says, he writes this, in quoting Zechariah 9, 9. Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the fowl of a beast of burden. Interesting passage of scripture. So here we go, right? 
here is this understanding of Zacharias. We know they knew in the first century, they knew that their Messiah was going to show up in Jerusalem riding on a donkey, a beast of burden. Now, as good Bible scripture believing people who were looking forward to the fulfillment of God's promises, they had God's promises in writing. They were being taught these Sabbath after Sabbath as they were as they were raised and as they grew up and as it continued in their Jewish faith year after year. But they also knew the rest of what we call Zechariah chapter 9. And what happened was they had this expectation that was built upon their understanding of the whole. It wasn't just about, oh, good, he's riding on a donkey. Well, kings rode on donkeys on many occasions. Um, they rode back into town victorious, riding on a donkey. They they rode into, into other places, and the donkey symbolized that they were coming in peace, that they weren't coming to make war. And so as they had that understanding, it wasn't just that every king that rode in on a donkey, well, oh, Messiah, Messiah. No, no, not, not, not at all. But Jesus had been claiming to be the Messiah. And so when Jesus came in riding on a donkey, they thought, well, this is, this is him. And they began to worship him in such a way that they expected. Now their expectations were shaped around what else um, Zechariah had to say about this topic. Because if you go and read Zechariah chapter 9, you understand that this chapter, like many of the prophetic passages in the Old Testament, contain or in the context of judgment. Because the people of God throughout the Old Testament, throughout history, we tend to drift from our worship of God and we enter into idolatry. And that has taken on many different forms over the centuries. But back then, this was a passage of judgment, but also as many of them, it was also a, a passage of promised restoration. So in many of the Old Testament prophecies, you will read that God is coming in judgment to his people because of their idolatry, and he's coming and he raises up foreign armies, and that they come in and they take Israel captive. We've seen this happen time and time again in the Old Testament, and this was another one of those. But chapter 9, verses 1 through 8, as it speaks of this judgment, later, shortly after, this, the writing of Zechariah, the prophecies of Zechariah, Alexander the Great arises to power in 332 and 331 BC. And many of this first century Jewish scholars and even Bible scholars today will agree that the rise of Alexander the Great is in fulfillment of Zechariah 9 verses 1 through 8. That was the judgment. But, but, what had happened was Matthew quotes verse 9, because verse 9, 10, and 11 through 17 is the promise of restoration in fulfillment of God's covenant with Moses. And so as Matthew quotes chapter 9, verse 9, he doesn't quote 10 or 11 or 12 or 13 all the way to 17. He only quotes 9. It is believed that verse 9 is a prophecy concerning the first coming of Jesus, and verses 10 onward are a prophecy concerning the second coming of Jesus. Now, they had seen this correctly. They remembered correctly. They understood. They said, wait a minute, we had Alexander the Great. He arose to power. He conquered. He formed his empire. 
And so our Messiah will do likewise. Now their misunderstanding of what they were seeing was very, very simple. They did this. They compared, verse 9, the Messiah, with verses 1 through 8, Alexander the Great. They compared them when God meant for them to contrast them. Wait a minute, you say. What an interesting misunderstanding. Because I think you and I, and the rest of the first century people that watched this event take place, that could be very common, couldn't it? I mean, I would have made that mistake. You may have made that mistake. And there we would have been joining into this first century group of praising and worshiping God. And then when the crucifixion happened, you and I would have lost all hope because they made the mistake of comparing the promise of the Messiah with Alexander the Great instead of contrasting them. Because the, contra the contrast was that the prophecy of their Messiah would be that, G that the Messiah would ride a donkey. Now hold on. They understood, as they would rightfully do, and was totally understanding that they would, if David had ridden a donkey as a sign of victory, conquering the armies around him and the enemies of God, then why would not the Messiah? But there is again another slight misunderstanding. Notice when Matthew quotes that verse in verse 9, he quotes of riding a donkey, a beast of burden. Because not only did kings ride donkeys as a sign of peace and a sign of victory, but they also were known as a burden carrier. And then when you read in the Gospel of Luke and you continue through the passage where we find ourselves today, 19, and you start reading on and you read what Jesus does in the next few days leading up to his crucifixion, you will sense the burden that Jesus was carrying and that burden was sin. And in fact, many Bible commentators would say that Jesus himself was the burden that the donkey was carrying because Jesus had begun to bear our sin and, as Paul writes, become sin for us. So they misunderstood what they saw. And I have to admit to you today that I probably would have been guilty of that same misunderstanding. And I may have been part of that crowd. You may have been part of that crowd that was worshiping God and thanking God for all of these things and then only to find out that what we saw we misunderstood, that how we understood the scriptures were wrong, that we were comparing instead of contrasting, and that we didn't understand that Jesus, our Messiah, was going to ride into Jerusalem carrying a burden, that he wasn't going to come into victorious, but that he was going to come carrying a burden, and in fact, he would become the burden himself, and that Jesus' concern was the sin of mankind and the weight that Jesus was carrying, the weight that that donkey was bearing was the weight of all of our sin. And so, as it happened, we began to praise God based upon these misunderstandings as the people of God did, and maybe you've done that, and maybe you're this Easter season, you've come to the realization that God was not doing what you thought he was going to do. And in fact, so many, it is very popular today, and you've probably read along with me and heard along with me of many of our Christian um, leaders that fall away from the faith or abandon or, or denounce their faith. Worship leaders, pastors, people very close to us, people that are raised in the church, and it is common today, extremely common, for children that are raised in the church that once they hit their college years and get into their early 20s that they abandon their faith in God because what they expected 
was not what they discovered. And in fact, what they were promised by many preachers just simply did not come true because there was a misunderstanding, because you and I have been told so many times that if you pray correctly, God will grant the wishes of your heart, that if you pray for protection, God will always protect you. Well, that's just simply not the case, is it? Because evil does exist in our world. Tragedy does come home to each and every one of our lives. And when that happens, and we misunderstand the expectations based upon the reality of Scripture and the reality of the promises of God, then our hope becomes destroyed, as many of them did, as we see that when God fulfilled His Word, as He promised, people gave up hope. Because we had Peter, we had Peter denying Christ three times as Jesus was, was arrested, and then we find Jesus denying, being denied by Peter, one that said that he would go to his death, one that said he would follow him anywhere. Yet Jesus knew, and he had even told Peter that before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times, and, Jesus, and Peter comes to a low point in his life, and he actually starts cussing at a little Jewish girl, and that's his low point. And then he remembers, and he weeps bitterly, and he's just broken, because what he expected was not reality, and his worship of Jesus was not based upon what Jesus himself had truly said. Because Jesus told him all this was going to happen. Jesus told him plainly that he was going to be delivered up and crucified, but on the third day raised again. But they ignored that, and they built their own expectations based upon a misunderstanding of what they choose, what they had chosen to see and to look at. And so what had happened was they became destroyed. And those that were beginning to go home, as we understand later in the, in the book of Luke, after Jesus' resurrection, he meets two on the road to Emmaus, and they had said to him, we had hoped that he was our Messiah. And they spoke to Jesus as if their hope was in the past tense. And then Jesus, in his resurrected form, renewed their hope by helping them understand the reality of the situation and cleared up the misconceptions. And so what we need today, and what I pray that you will do during this this Holy Week, this week leading up to the death and resurrection of Jesus, that you would go back and that you would take a fresh look at what God has promised you and that what God has said to us in his scriptures and what he said the world would be like. Because he's very honest. Jesus is very honest. He said that we'll have trouble in this world and we will be persecuted and this world is broken and there is evil at every corner and every turn. But be of good cheer, Jesus, as I have overcome the world and the book of revelation tells us that he who perseveres and overcomes shall be saved and so god has been very honest with you god has been transparent with each and every one of us but he's also provided the victory over the evil that so often derails our relationship with god and so i believe that we need to pray together and we need to pray and do a better job helping under helping each other understand reality and understand the truth without affirming our unfounded expectations. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you today for your word, and we thank you for the wonderful things that you are doing in the world. And Father, the wonderful things that you are doing in the world are often within the context of things that we didn't expect, and that we didn't ask for, and that we don't like, and that are evil. And so, Father, in the context of a broken world, in the context of, of natural evil and moral evil, you are doing miraculous things. But so often, Father, we miss them because we have looked for a world that doesn't 
contain evil, that we have looked for a life that does not contain tragedy, and then when tragedy comes our way, we miss what you are about to do. We miss the miracles that you in fact promised because we have given up hope. So I pray for all those that are watching and listening today, that Father, they would have a resurrection of hope because they've chosen, Lord, to gain a clearer understanding of what your word indeed promises and what you are in reality doing in the world. And Father, that we would have a resurrection of hope within your people. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for joining us today. If you need a resurrection of hope in your personal life and you want to become a follower of Jesus based upon the reality of who he claimed to be, not public opinion, not all the misconceptions, but just going to the Bible itself and saying, what did Jesus claim to be and who did he claim to be and what did he promise to do? If you want to become a follower of Jesus as Jesus described himself, then please contact us today at theretreatchurch.com. Send us an email. Let us know that you want to become a follower of Jesus Christ, and we'll get you started on your relationship with him. God bless you, and we'll see you next time.